we, we had spoke about good soil and we are continuing our series. This will be part number six of seven. And um, so we will have one more after this and it's really the one that I'm looking for and everything that we've talked about is going to be in relationship to next week. So I would hope and pray. I've already had some people that told me that they'll, I've got some visitors coming next week because of the topic. They're very interested in that. Uh, and I pray that they'll be here. If not, if nothing else, at least listening to the podcast uh, and or our YouTube channel. But we're just continuing our series this week uh, as we've been talking about the keys to the kingdom. And we've spoken so much about what keys do. And I don't, I did not put that in the slide today, but after this long, we should already know what a key does. A key unlocks doors. A key is known as a principle. It's known as a foundation. It's, it's a fundamental. So our, the basis of our scripture is coming out of, out of Isaiah chapter 33, verse six, just like it has been. It'll be on that piece of paper. Uh, that you have and I've gave you all of my notes here again today but the important part because I may deviate from my notes because I want to flow as the Holy Spirit gives me utterance as we sat here last week uh, I won't lie to you I struggled with my message last week I struggled with it and to be honest with you again I sat here on Tuesday when nobody else was here and I sat up just like we are right now and I preached again and I re-recorded it and the Holy Spirit was just all upon that and I'm just so thankful that the Lord allowed me an opportunity again to bring that word forward so again we'll be in we're talking about this week about revealed knowledge revealed knowledge or revelation knowledge and and i hope and pray that by the end of this lesson or this sermon or devotion however that you may want to do it i'm going to start my timer so that i can behave myself here today uh, but i definitely want to be obedient um so we're talking about revealed knowledge so we'll just go ahead and open up with our passes that we open up with every single week because it is the basis it is the basis of this series here. So Isaiah 33 verse 6 and it said, and he will be your sure foundation. And we've talked about it at the very beginning. We had foundations 101, 102, and 103. And we talked about the fundamentals, which again is a quote unquote key to the kingdom. It is a key, excuse me, it is something that unlocks something. So I'll ask the very same thing here again today is if I give you a key to my house, then what does that do? It gives you permission to come into my house. It gives you power and authority because, I, because you are exercising something that I gave you. So I'm going to ask when we finish up today, if everybody here would give me a key to their house so that I can come and eat your food. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but in Isaiah, we'll continue with Isaiah 33 and 16. He said, he will be a sure foundation providing a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord will be your treasure. And each week, you know, we have 
We have talked about a foundation. We have talked about a key because, of, again, the foundation is a key. It is something that is a principle. You know, so each week we've talked about something different. So this week I don't want to do anything different other than just bringing out another facet, bringing out another facet of what a foundation or a key is. Because last week we spoke about the sowing of the seed a seed being sown on good ground and Jesus said at the very end he said if you don't understand this parable then how else will you understand the other parables so what does that tell me that was a key parable that is a key to the kingdom there's all the other parables are based around that one parable so so today we've you know we've described a rock you know we went back to the book of Deuteronomy and, and how Jesus is, has been called the rock of offense, you know, and a rock, it, uh, here's exactly what the scripture says, that uh, the rock, you will either be crushed by the rock or the rock will cause you to stumble. So, so the interpretation of that is that we will be crushed by the rock or we will be humbled by the rock. So as we get back to our passage here today, as we get back to what we're talking about, because we've been talking about a rock. So I want to introduce you. It seems like we've come a lot out of the book of Matthew during this series. And, and I know some of us are reading the book of Matthew or have been reading the book of Matthew. And I'm hoping and praying that, that, as, you, that you, as you hear this today, that this truth will ring in your ears. So coming out of Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16 verses 13 through 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Verse 15, then he asked him, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Verse 18. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven so we can begin to look at this if we if we may as a three-point perspective a three-point perspective last week we went over this briefly and we talked about how we view ourselves and how others view us but then how does God view us. See, the reality here is we, 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 we want people to see us as important. We want people 
to see us as pretty. We want people to recognize good features about us. We want to recognize these good features about ourselves. We want to recognize how smart or good looking that we may be at times or things that we do a good job on. But we go back to the reality here is how does Jesus view us? How does God view us? So when we look at it in John 1 and 1, it said in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God. So the reality here is how does the Word view us? How does the Word view us? So I want to I, I wanna go real fast and 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 i want to i want to point this out jesus looked at disciples and then do we not remember where he said he said who do people say that i am so what was he doing was he was asking what are people's opinions who do people view me as who do people see me as so we can ask ourselves that question sometimes in our head is how are we viewing God? H how do we view Him? How do we view His Word? Let's just get really real here. How do we view His principles? How do we view His commandments? Do we see them as strict and, and not allowing you to do things? Or do we see them from a Father's eyes as in this is what's best for you? This is my heart for you. I don't want no harm to come to you so I need you to listen to the words that I've spoken as we've spoken this before in gatherings if we see a blind person getting ready to cross the road into oncoming traffic are you going to just allow them to walk across the road or are you going to try to stop and help them and to try to keep them from walking out into oncoming traffic. Well, the natural human part of us is, hey, I don't want no person, especially when they're disabled, I don't want to see them become mangled or I don't want to see them get ran over by a truck or hit by a car. And it's because our heart for people is that we want what's best for them. We don't want to see harm come to people. So the question is, is when we're seeing people that are doing things against God's word and against his will, are we bold enough to stand up and say, hey, you're walking blind in this situation and you're not doing things the correct way. So we aid them and we help them. And so many people, I, I, I can't really say that I've heard a blind person say, hey, no, I don't need your help. I can walk across this street. I don't need you. And the reality is, is that they do need help because they can't really see what's happening here. So Jesus was pulling this out of the disciples. He was pulling out, and here's exactly what he was doing, was Jesus was pulling all of the popular opinions of who people say that he is. So the very next thing is Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? So we have who people will say and who God is and who Jesus is and God's word and et cetera, et cetera. We, we, we keep hearing all the popular opinion of what people are saying about God. So now the question becomes to them. So they say, James or Pastor James, James, who do you say that I am? Who, who am I to you? See, because what Jesus had already done was he already pulled all of the popular opinions out. So now they can't say, oh, well, I think you're Jeremiah. I, I think that you're Elijah. I think you're a great prophet. 
he, he went ahead and took all of that ammunition away from them. But before they had a chance to speak, well, then what happened? Peter spoke up. Peter spoke up. Now let's go to our next slide, verse 17, as we've already read it, 17 and 18, but I, I, I want to point this out. It said, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. So let's just stop there for a minute. How many people knew that Peter's name was really Simon? We, we read in a verse earlier where he called him Simon Peter, but his real birth name was Simon. Just like we had went to uh, when we talked about Jacob several weeks ago, back at the beginning of the year, and how his name was changed to Israel or Israel. God gives name changes, and that's where we that's where we had our title that week was What's Your Name? What's your name? So again, we're, we're seeing here, Jesus replied, he said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. So, so what is that telling us? What he learned here, what he spoke, was nothing that man had ever taught him. Nothing that man had ever taught him. So we, we, we grow up in a knowledge because we've been to church in our times past, or we heard the nursery rhymes, or we heard the stories about Daniel's in the lion den, and we begin to get a little snippet of a little bit of the story. We hear about David and Goliath, but have we went back to all of the truth of everything that's being spoken to that? Because there, there's so much more to Scripture than just a story. You see, when Jesus spoke in parables, what did he say? What, what did we just say about last week? Is that Jesus said, if you don't get this parable, then none of the other ones are going to make any sense to you. So that's why it's so important to go through Scripture and begin to pull out all of this meat, all of this meat. And we go back to Hebrews, just like we did last week. It said that by this time, you should be teaching others. If we've been a Christian for more than six months, if we've been a Christian or called ourselves a Christian for more than six months, a year or two years or three years, the question is, is why aren't we teaching others? Well, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not called to be a minister. I'm not called to preach. Scripture says that we are ambassadors of Christ. That means we represent Him when we go out and when people see us, they see the lives that we live. And the life that we live is a testimony that other people will see. Now, we can't make them do this and to do that, but we are to be what? We are to be exactly what our church name is. We are to be salt and to be light in this dark and perverse generation, this world that we live in. It's so dark, and it's only getting darker. Every single day, this world's getting darker. So why isn't our light shining? Why aren't people seeing Christ in us. You know, it was earlier this week, the Lord asked me a question. And, and, and I've learned that when the Lord asked me a question, it's not because He don't know the answer. It's because He wants me to find out. He wants me to seek His heart on behalf of this. So here's the question, and I want this question to sit home for you. The Lord asked me this. He said, why is it in what I do and what people do. So let me rephrase that. So why is it what God does and what quote unquote Christians do look so differently? Why do we look different from what God is doing? 
did he not say that he has created us in his likeness and his image? So that means we do what we reflect him. And if we're not reflecting him, then we've really got to question our genuineness for God. This is just scripture. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world, but the word that I have spoken will judge you on that day. When's that day? When we stand before him. Right now, that word judges us right now. Looking at the word of God is like looking in a mirror. We should be reflecting what we see. And if we're not doing that, I'm not asking, or God's not asking us to be perfect, but he's asking us to follow him. Jesus said, anyone that does not pick up their cross and follow me is not worthy of my name. Well, what, what is that name? What is the name that we go by? What is the name that we call ourselves? We call ourselves Christians. And what does Christian mean? It means Christ-like or little Christ is what Christians mean. So if we're not reflecting who he is, then we've got to question our loyalty. We've got to question who we are in him. And I know I've deviated a little bit from my notes here, but we get back to what, what he talked about here is that this was revealed to him. This was not taught to him. This was, this was something that he never heard because the, the reality of this is that when, when, when Peter or Simon and the disciples were kids, they didn't, they didn't have a school where they went to and they learned adding and subtracting and things of that nature. They went and they learned the scripture was their school. That was the tradition. You see, and now it's, it's, we, we as parents, we've placed so much to, okay, well then we want somebody else to teach our kids and we don't want to teach them. It's our job as parents to teach our kids God's word. And when we stand before God, we'll have to give an account for that. You know, I, I know that I'm guilty of that. I walked away from the Lord for a long time, but here I am. You see, what I've done in the past is not who I am. It doesn't define who I am now because that me is back there and it's no longer who I am. I don't represent the old me no more. I am the man that God's called me to be and I'm walking in that, in that preference and in that reference that he's called me to. But again, we, we get back to our scripture here and, and, and here's what he said in verse 18. He said, now I say to you that you are Peter. But up here, he called him Simon, correct? So now, Jesus was identifying him as someone different, as something different. He gave him a new name. Again, we see this take place. And what does Peter mean? Which means rock. So we've been talking about a foundation. We've been talking about a key. And this is a key to the kingdom that we have and that we see right here in Scripture. He said, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Well, it was upon Peter that I will build my church. He said, and upon this rock, Peter, which is the word Petra, means a stone or a piece of the rock. A piece of the rock. If we go back to, if we go back to Simon's name, you know what Simon means in Hebrew? He that hears. He that hears or he that has heard. So what did he do was he heard what God was speaking to him about who Jesus was. So he went from being a hearer to being a part of the rock. Have we become a part of the rock? Have we become a part of that kingdom? And he said, and upon this rock, well, what rock is that? That word right there. 
revealed, revealed truth, revealed knowledge. And as we go back to the title of our message today is Revelation Knowledge. It's a knowledge that's been given to you that's not been given to you by man. It's not been given to you by sitting under my preaching. It's not a word that's been given to you that you've heard other people talk about. The word that I'm bringing you today has been a revealed word for me. It's been revealed knowledge and revealed knowledge comes because I have to first do what? I have to first hear. I first have to hear, if we go back to the story about about Paul when he was on the road to Damascus and we've heard the story before that he that he he uh, he saw a bright light well really his horse had saw a bright light and, and his horse threw him threw him and it said and, and Paul heard a voice and then he saw then he saw so the first thing we do is we hear God we hear God calling us we hear God speak to us and then we see his manifestation once we answer the call. So we go back to that. It's upon this revealed truth. Revealed truth that he builds his church. He's building not, not, not the church, the four walls. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is based off of revealed knowledge. And the revealed knowledge is the most part of the emphasis on this is that he is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. This is the revealed knowledge that our keys to the kingdom must be based off of. And he said, and the powers of what? Will not. What does will not? That means it can't. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. It's impassable. And it said it will not conquer it. In some versions we've read that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So I just, I think that that is so beautiful. And we go to verse 19. And then he said, and I will give you the keys. So what did he do? He gave. He gave. So if I give you something, then that's what it means. It's a gift. You didn't do anything to earn it. We have salvation because God has given that to us. We have that opportunity. The question is, is this. Here's the question that I pose for some of us, for all of us here today, just to be really real, for all of us, is if I give you a gift, how long do you appreciate that gift? How long before you take that gift and you set it down somewhere else and then you forget where it is? That's only a question that we can answer for ourselves because I'll just be real honest with you. I've been given a lot of gifts in life and I'll just be real upfront and frank about it. I don't know where some of these gifts are. They've been broken. They've been misplaced. They've been uh, lost or something. But what I do have is, is I still cherish the gift that God gave me. It's His Son. The revealed knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And there's nothing that can take that away from me. It's my choice if I sit it down there. But it can never be taken away from me. But I can sit it down. So we go back to this and he said that I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. 
So God's given us power and authority. Again, we, we, we see the exercising of what a key does is that it gives us power, it gives us dominion, it gives us authority. So this is the key that gives us the power to unlock and uh, unlock and lock doors in our life or you using this key because he's been given to us. I want to give you one more story and we're going to go into the book of Genesis. I'm doing good on my time. I got about 25 minutes left. So bear with me here if you will. But this is a story that we've all heard. This is about the creation of man and this is about the beginning of time. This is a story about Adam and Eve. So in Genesis chapter 2 verses 15 through 20 it reads like this. The Lord God placed a man in the Garden of Eden and to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you are freely, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord formed from the ground all of the wild animals and all of the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose to name each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So we can, we can automatically see that Adam was alone. He was all by himself. It was just him and God, and he had the animals, right? So he was all alone in this. So now let's follow on down to Genesis chapter 3, which picks up right at, because that was at the end of chapter 2. So chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and it said, And the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from the, any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit in it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, You must not eat or even touch. If you do, you will die. So here we can see Eve's awareness. We can see her awareness of the commandment that was given because she was asked a question by the serpent and as we know is is the Satan himself so she was asked a question and she gave an answer but the question that I ask you here is did she answer the way that the commandment was given because if we if, if uh, there's nothing on the screen but I'll go but I'll go back to here's what God had told him and um, in verse 16, he said this. He said, but the Lord warned him, warned him. Let's see, again, we go back to Eve wasn't there. Eve was not there. It was just Adam. He said, you may freely eat the tree of, eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. 
So we, we go back and we see that the serpent had asked a question and Eve's response is that we shall not eat of the tree, nor should we touch it. So we're already beginning to see here that Eve's knowledge was communicated to her by Adam because Adam was the one that received the commandment from God, correct? Eve wasn't there. So if Eve knew what was spoken, then the question is, is why, would, why did she misquote it? Maybe it was her own interpretation. Maybe it was an interpretation that she thought of. See, the question is, is that she walked in, in the garden with God himself. So why did she not ask God what he had really said? See, that she was basing her knowledge off of something that was communicated to her. You know, so how many times have we told somebody something based off of uh, something that somebody communicated to us and not so much of something that we read a fact about? We're all guilty of that. Well, such and such said, okay, well, was it true though? So are we telling the truth or, we, or are we stretching the truth here? So now as we know that Eve had gave the answer back to the serpent, which was Satan, she gave him an answer, but it was more of a her interpretation because she was only communicated this knowledge. So, in, so now we'll go on down to verses 4 through 8. And, and, and here's what the serpent was speaking to the woman. He, he said, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Verse seven, at this moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt ashamed at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Excuse me. When the cool evening breeze was blowing, the man and the woman heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God, excuse me, among the trees. So let's just stop for a minute. And I had a couple things that just really stood out to me there. And you'll see them on your paper. I'm sorry I don't have that on the slideshow. But here's a couple things, and I, want, and I want to go through these. So, number one was the picture that Satan painted for Eve caused her to question what God had called good and what God had ordained for her life. See, we're all guilty of that. Has Satan not painted a picture for us as well? Now, we spoke about last week or the week before that we can't stop a, we can't stop a bird from flying, but you can stop him from building a nest on your head. So the thoughts, these thoughts that are from Satan, are, to, are they're going to continue to come. They're going to continue to bombard us. The thing is, is that we are the one that decides we are the one that decides if, if, if we're going to fixate on what he's saying. We are the one that decides 
if we're going to hear what he has to say, and I ain't worried about him up there, let the dog do his thing. He's fine. We need your attention here. So question number two, or the second point that I want to point out here is within this question of what God had ordained for good, it now made God look like a taker instead of a giver. Because why? Okay, well, God's withholding something from me. Oh, I'm guilty as charged. I got my daughters here today so I can say this, and I love my girls. Well, Daddy don't want me to go do this because Daddy don't want me to have fun. And we've all been in that predicament before. Well, I want to play basketball on the street, but you can't. There's busy traffic right now. The cars are coming. Well, you just don't want me to have fun. And I know that might not be a great example, but the real question is we continue to go back was would we let a blind person cross the road by themselves? Absolutely not, because the reality and the just of that is that they don't see the danger in it. So, so many times we question God's heart for us. Our kids, when they're younger, they question their parents' heart that the parent has for their kids. But we always have the best interest for them at heart. We always want what's best. So God always wants what's best for us, but we may view it and we may see it as in, God, you don't want me to have fun. You don't want me to have friends. You don't want me to do this and you don't want me to do that. But the question is, is are we viewing this, we go back to this, are we viewing this from a perspective that's outside of how God is viewing us? Number three, now she viewed this tree in a different lens because it said that she saw that the tree and that the fruit was delightful and it looked delicious. Isn't that just like Satan? Man, I, I did it this one time and it was, it was okay, you know but I'm looking forward to how it may make me feel again. We begin to view things a little bit different as we, as we see this. Now, some of, some of us are younger here and don't know the reference to the song, but there was an old song many, many, many years ago and he talked about rose-colored lenses. And we begin to view things in a different light because the, the lens changes the color of things. So, so the, here's exactly what Satan had done for her was he changed her view on things. He enticed her enough that she now saw that it looked delicious. As we read in the book of James a couple of weeks ago that it talked about this is that, that God never tempts us. It is, it, when, we are, when we are tempted, it's because we are drawn by our own lust and our own desires. That's when we're tempted to do what's wrong. God only tests us to see if we would do what's right. Keep that in mind. Number four, she wanted her wisdom to be equal to God's because she saw, she saw that it was delightful. She saw that it was delightful. And I'm trying to find that verse here real quick. It was verse 6, and then the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruits looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. Now, did Satan not entice her with the very same thing that caused him to get kicked out of heaven? Because Satan wanted, he thought that I could be just like God. 
And we're already seeing this separation that's taking place here because we got to understand that Satan's, his tactics have always been the very same from the very beginning, but we continue to fall for them because it's like, if we throw, any of us been fishing before? Some of us have been, but we all know that you take and you put a, a worm on a hook, right? Or you put the bait on the hook. If you just throw a hook in the water, do you think a fish is going to come up and bite the hook? But if you do what? If you, if you cover up the hook, if you don't make it look like a hook, but if you make it look like something you want, then you take the bait. And then the next thing you know, you're caught and you, you're being taken out of your environment to somewhere where you never really asked to be. And that's exactly what Satan had did here. This is exactly what Satan does in our life every single moment of the day. He's, he, he is, it, 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 it's, it's no different this way. Just like God will never make you do anything that you don't want to do. Well, Satan does not have the power to make you do anything either. Satan can't make you do anything that you don't want to do. If you make up your mind that you're not going to do this, if you make up your mind that I'm Christ-like, that I am looking in the Word of God, I am who He has said I am, I am who He's called me to be, you make that conscious decision to be Christ-like. And that's only the choice that you can make. Let me move on here. So uh, point number five here is their eyes were not open until Adam had ate from the fruit. So let's go back and let's reference that in verse number seven. It said, and at that moment, their eyes were open. Their eyes were open and they suddenly felt ashamed. So let's take this back to the end of verse six, just to make this correct. So she took from the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open. So I have a couple questions that I wanna ask in reference to that is why do you think that is? Why do you think that her eyes weren't open first and then his eyes were open? Why uh, was it not Adam that received the word from God? Did not Adam communicate this knowledge to Eve? Why didn't Adam say anything to Eve while all of this was happening? You see, here comes the reality. Here comes, here comes what I call a hashtag tough truth. Both of their eyes were open once Adam ate, right? So Adam received the word from God. Eve received a word from man. Adam received a revealed knowledge from God. Eve received a communicated knowledge. And the difference became is that she didn't realize that she was doing anything wrong. Adam realized you see, Eve was deceived, but Adam was disobedient because there's been things that God has all spoken to us. It doesn't matter where we've been at in life. There's been times where God has spoken to us 
and we still remember that word that he spoke to us, right? And if we remember that word that he spoke to us, then that was a revealed knowledge. And that was what, that's what we read back in the book of Matthew. It said, in the gates of hell shall not prevail against that. Why is that? Because it's revealed. It's revealed. And God has revealed things to our hearts and to our spirit mans. And then when we do something wrong, we then know that it's wrong because God has revealed his heart to us. That's why so many quote unquote Christians can walk around in sin and not be convicted because they've only been communicated a word and that word never hit good ground. It never hit the soil that God had worn. And just like we spoke up here at the very beginning today is this, is that the Holy Spirit came this morning and I'm done with our notes. We're closing here. You can take us to the last slide, baby. The reality here is that the Lord spoke this morning. He said the Holy Spirit's come this morning to till ground, to break ground. You can put your notes away. We're done with this. And there's been a word that's been sowed here this morning. And it's not been a communicated. I've tried to communicate a word to you. But more importantly was that I wanted Holy Spirit to reveal something to you, to reveal something to your heart. And it's only a decision that you can make that will, will you allow this seed to take root? Will you allow it to produce a harvest that God has called it to in your life? If you can just bow your heads for just a moment, we're going to close in prayer. I just have a few more minutes. But I just want to be obedient. And I want to give us all that opportunity that if we don't have thing rights with God, if, we, if we're not walking in the right standards with God, right now is our opportunity. Right now is to move beyond a communicated word and to receive a revealed word because the revealed word made so much different in who Peter became because that revealed word changed Peter's name. He changed how people addressed him. It, it even changed how, how Christ had referred to him. Will you allow this word today to be sowed into good ground? Because just like we talked about last week, if it did anywhere else that the seed fell, it was either devoured by the birds of the air, which is Satan himself. Or they've been choked out by the weeds and the thorns. Or they, they tried to grow upon a rock, but it had no depth to the roots. It had, didn't have enough soil. So there's been a word that's been sowed here today. Would you let God do what he wants to do in your life? Would you let him? See, because he, you know, it's like I had a chance to speak with a young man this week. We are one heartbeat away from eternity. One heartbeat. And that's when the last time that our heart will ever be. Paul said this. Paul said this. That once we die, once we give up our spirit, we then face judgment. Are we ready to stand before our judge right now? 
Because just like I said earlier, Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world, but the words that I have spoken, what are the words that he has spoken? Right here in this Bible. See, if we want to learn a song, what do we do? We put it on replay. If we want to learn God's word, we put it on replay. The choice is ours. And one day we're going to all take our last breath. That's not a harsh truth. That's just reality. Peter said this. He said, what would a man, what would a man do? Would he gain the whole world and lose his soul? pleasures of this life is only temporarily. Only temporary. We've never seen a dead person sit up out of a casket before and say, hey, I don't like the way you dressed me for my funeral. I don't like my makeup. I don't like the way you combed my hair. You know why they didn't say that? It's because they're dead. And when we are dead to self, when we are dead to the things of this world and alive in Christ, we don't care how people view us. We don't care how we view ourselves. We only care about how, how God views us and how the Word is reflected in our lives. I'd just like to lead us all in a repentful prayer today. I'm not calling nobody up front for prayer or anything, but maybe you'll just repeat after me. Dear Lord, I thank you, Lord, this day that you have called me yet again. Lord, I have done wrong in your sight. I've done wrong in your eyes. I've done wrong in reference to your word. But Lord, I know that I have offended you I know that I have hurt your heart. Lord, and I feel your Holy Spirit calling me right now. So I confess my sins before you. Then I ask you to forgive me. From this moment, I will take my cross and I will follow you. The life that I live now is no longer for myself. And it's no longer for other people. But I commit it to you right now. I ask you to lead me. I ask you to guide me into everything that you want for me and everything that you want for me to do for you and your kingdom. I receive you right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. I thank everybody for coming out today. If you pray that prayer, any of you that may be viewing us via YouTube or those that may be listening to us via podcast, reach out to someone and let them know that you've made that commitment. It's very important that you place yourself in a faith-built ministry. Read your Bible daily. Let God minister to you. Because like I said, Eternity is one heartbeat away.
And then when that heartbeat is done, it's too late to change our mind. I love you. I look forward to seeing all of y'all again soon, maybe even next week, possibly. God bless you, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Good night.